time to have the sex talk. <laughs> JK, but kind of not. Hello, beautiful people. It's your host, Danielle Mason, bringing you authentic conversation, transparency around real life experiences, and actionable tips to create your next breakthrough today. Think of this as your home away from home healing oasis where we overshare and overcome obstacles together. Pull up a seat, come as you are, and be ready to leave feeling challenged to reflect, encouraged to take action, and inspired to change. This is the Blackouts to Breakthroughs podcast. This is a topic I've honestly become super passionate about because I've experienced so many emotions when it comes to sex. So if you've listened to episode one, you've had a little intro into my headspace during this time of my life, but we're going to dive deeper in this one. Now, you may be thinking, come on, Danielle, there's nothing wrong with having sex with whoever you want. If you want to do it, it's just embracing my femininity. Is that a word? I don't know if that's how you say that femininity, feminine, feminineness, y'all know what I mean. Or maybe you're somebody who just enjoys it. And look, I'm not saying sex is bad. It's honestly a beautiful gift God gave to us. We're created to enjoy sex, but sex in the right setting. And let me explain. The physical act of sex isn't all there is to it. There's a spiritual side to it that stays with you for the rest of your life. And this is something that we're going to dive into together. The biggest question of do you have any regrets in your life? Or if you could change one thing from your past, would you? Or what would it be? And for the most part, my answer is no, because I truly believe every single moment and experience led me to where I am today. But there is one thing that I truly wish I could take back and change about my past. And that's how many times I gave part of myself to others. It's not something to take lightly, friends. In today's society, sex is so casual. It's like this hookup culture. It's like, oh, let me go to the bar because I want to have sex tonight. Or I want to hook up with somebody in the bar. Who am I going to go home with? It's like a game. And it's like it's abnormal if you aren't having sex for fun or with strangers. I remember thinking my roommate was weird because she said she couldn't just have sex with strangers because she catches feelings. You're supposed to catch feelings for somebody you connect with sexually. You may be thinking, oh, but not me. I'm disconnected emotionally when it comes to sex. It's just something I enjoy doing. Trust me when I say that I get that because those are my thoughts exactly for five years. And I truly believe that I didn't catch feelings for people when I had sex with them. I was also most of the time blackout drunk to where I don't remember even doing it. You know, I was delusional. I was deceived. I was suppressing my actual emotions. I was using sex to fill this void that I had inside of me. And to really say what it is, I was a slave to sex. Every time you have sex with somebody, you keep a part of them and they keep a part of you. Think of it as you have this one shirt that you have to wear for the rest of your life. And it's a beautiful shirt. It's unique to who you are. Nobody else has this shirt. It's super rare. Think it's worth like a million gazillion dollars, okay? And you have it on your back. And every time you have sex with somebody, they tear off a piece of your shirt. What does your shirt look like right now? If it were me, I'd have no shirt left. I'd be completely and totally exposed. But that's exactly what happens when you give yourself sexually to somebody else. This is part of my story that I don't like looking back on. It truly makes me sad thinking about what I was feeling on the inside during this time of my life. All those people who didn't even care about me, taking pieces of me with them. If you're somebody who doesn't really believe me and you're like, you know what, I can have sex and not catch feelings. Okay, think about this. Think about the people you've slept with. If they've walked in the room right now, 
how would you feel? Would your mood change? Would your heart rate increase at all? Would certain feelings fly in? If you were in the room, say you have a boyfriend or a spouse or somebody and your ex sleeping partners came in, what would the energy in the room feel like? Like what would it feel like? It would change, right? And that's because sex is never just sex. It is never only a physical act. Sex is always a uniting of two people in the entirety of their beings and it changes you. I realized that I use sex as a form of me feeling free to do what I want, but it was just damaging me over and over and over again, just like the t-shirt metaphor I talked about earlier. Now, I want to share a story with you. I was in college and we went to New Orleans just to get away from our college town and to just party. I remember one morning that weekend, I was waking up yet again in a random hotel room naked, my fishbowl drink empty on the bedside table, and I knew there was someone next to me, but I didn't want to look and see what they looked like. I didn't want to know. I heard him saying he was going to go move his car so it wouldn't get towed, and I said okay, without moving a muscle. As soon as he left, I got dressed and Google mapped my way back to where we were staying. My hair was insanely nappy. I looked hungover. As I was walking the street, I felt like I was walking the walk of shame, dressed in the same clothes as I was the night before on a Sunday morning while people were walking with their families. For a moment, I felt something inside of me saying, this isn't what you want. This doesn't make you happy. But I didn't let it come up enough for me to feel those feelings. I shook off the thought, continued to message my friend group chat about my walk of shame as if it was a competition to who could have the craziest Saturday night story. I laughed it off and took pride in the fact that I was ready to get dressed for another full day of drinking and another unmemorable night. That girl was hurting. That girl was lying to herself. That girl was believing this lie that another hookup, another day of being intoxicated would grant her and give her the life that she wanted, would make her feel alive, would make her feel free, would make her feel in control, but it was just a lie. You ever hear people talk about sex being better in marriage and they like swear by it? I never understood or even believed that to be true. I always thought they were trying to push their beliefs onto me or find a way to talk about sex before marriage being the worst thing you could do. I didn't understand until I did. When I first lost my virginity, I wanted to wait until marriage. I didn't know why, but I knew I did. I wanted it to be special. I wanted it to be this moment where all the fireworks went off. I didn't even have my first kiss until the eighth grade because I wanted my first kiss to be this princess and prince moment. You know, like on Princess Diaries, the leg pop kiss? Yeah, that's what I was imagining. I know that sounds so kiddy, but I was the little girl who loved her princesses and played with Barbies until she was like 12. Now, my first kiss ended up being at the movie theater. So romantic, right? And it was nothing like they would show in the movies. I never felt the spark I wanted to. My boyfriend and I didn't have sex for an entire year into our relationship. He was well aware that I wanted to wait. More and more, I felt this pressure to give in. Things would get more and more intense when we were together and it eventually happened. The first time wasn't like I imagined it to be either. It felt like a counterfeit. I didn't know why then, but now I know why. I truly believe this is the person I was meant to spend the rest of my life with because we were each other's firsts. Long story short, that relationship ended in betrayal and heartbreak. Years into our relationship, I found out that I actually wasn't the first. I was cheated on. My heart broke, yet I couldn't let go. 
And I couldn't let go because we were one spiritually. We became one. We became united through the physical act of sex. It took an act of violence for me to realize it was time for me to move on. So I turned to hooking up with other people as a form of moving on. Sex was what I used to prove to myself that I had moved on from it and that I was strong and could empower myself. The little girl who dreamed of having her knee-popping kiss and the first time being with the same person as the last time was now a girl who was hiding away her pain, hurt, disappointment. What she now looked forward to was drinking herself unconscious and searching to feel valued through sex. When I think back to my actions then and ask myself why, it comes down to me not feeling good enough, not feeling pretty enough, not feeling talented enough, not feeling valued, not feeling like true love exists, not feeling like I wanted to be anything serious with a man. I felt powerful through my ability to hook up and not catch feelings. I made myself believe to have the best times I needed to be intoxicated. Looking back on my actions and really my response to the heartbreak and trauma, it was the easy route. The easy route was to latch onto something I could use or do to suppress what I was really feeling. The hard thing to do would have been to look at my feelings, face what I went through, forgive myself and everyone involved, redefine what I wanted and who I wanted to be moving forward and heal one day at a time. Because I didn't want to feel my hurt anymore, because I thought I could heal on my own without supernatural help, without the power of Jesus, because I didn't value myself anymore, I turned to things that devalued me and made me feel good in the moment. So if that's you, I get it. I know exactly how you feel. You may at this moment not think it's a problem. You may be well aware that you have unresolved heartbreak, conflict, or trauma that you are choosing not to face right now. You may even be making a joke out of it. I see you. I see your heart. I see your hurt. My question is, do you? Do you see you? When was the last time you looked at yourself in the mirror and smiled at the woman or man that you are? When was the last time that you spoke well of yourself? When was the last time you woke up feeling so good about yourself and where you are mentally? Have you faced what you went through? And if not, how long until you choose to do so? Like I said, there's an easy route and there's a hard route. My hope is that you hear my story and you just give some thought into walking the hard route. Because what no one tells you is that taking the easy route of suppression usually ends up wounding you even more and intensifies those feelings you've locked away so you don't feel them. You might think right now that acting like those feelings or that hurt isn't there will make it go away, but it doesn't just vanish. It will follow you to every single relationship you have in the future. How do I know? Because that's the path I took. I thought I was good and healed and the perfect girl that any guy would be lucky to have me. But I was like a cold, bitten off fry in a tray of fries that had been passed around from hand to hand. It was a reality that I couldn't see myself. The hard route may cause more pain up front because healing is not a walk on the beach at sunset with a cold drink in your hand. Let me tell you that. For me, it's like being in one of those mazes with mirrors all around you where the goal is not to smack your face on any of them. I really hated those things. But to find the end to experience the freedom and that feeling of accomplishment. It's like being in one of those. No matter where you turn, 
You see yourself looking back at you. You are looking at you. Maybe there's different versions of you that you see. Maybe one of them is a child you who loves playing outside and making friends. Maybe one of them is a dreamer you who used to believe you could be anything you wanted to be. Maybe one of them is the you in the future that you see. Business owner, a mom, a successful real estate investor, a father who builds your family a home, a healed, confident, and impactful woman of faith. Or maybe that image of you is a bit foggy. It's hard to see that version of you. And until you ask yourself the hard questions like, why do I react this way? Why do I resort to doing XYZ when this happens? Why do I feel like I have to have a drink to have fun or whatever it is for you? Until you sit with yourself and answering those questions, you won't be able to get out of that maze. It honestly wasn't until I met Jamar where I actually looked at myself in the mirror through truthful eyes. The only reason I started was because he told me about myself. The self-absorbed, thinking my stuff doesn't stink, broken and unhealed girl was faced with truth that stung. Jamar made me think. He made me think about my actions and my reactions to things. And so these were things I would try to work on my own and it was hard. I'm still not perfect, my gosh, at all. And I still very much have a lot of healing to continue doing. God knew exactly what he was doing when he brought Jamar into my life. He's the most patient, understanding, and non-judgmental man who gives me the space to mess up and grow. But you know the beautiful thing? You don't need a man or woman to come into your life to help you heal. It's honestly not their duty. It's your duty. Because if I chose not to heal and fix the areas I needed to... Jamar and I wouldn't be together right now. If I didn't seek out the words of the Lord and let him do the inner deep work in me, I would not be where I am today mentally and emotionally. Going through my healing journey and taking progressive steps forward wouldn't have been possible without Jesus. He's changed my heart in ways I can't even explain. I see myself differently. My view on relationships and marriage has changed because of him. My outlook on sex and on what's important in life has changed because of him. Now I want to talk about, you know, being married and experiencing sex, how God created sex to be. And I'm grateful that I'm able to offer you like a real perspective on the difference personally. Jamar and I didn't wait until marriage to have sex. We were having sex throughout the first year of our relationship and especially after I moved in with him. When I started getting really serious about growing my relationship with God and walking with him closely, God was doing an inner work in me. He was changing my heart. He placed this big conviction in that area of my life and I started to feel dirty. God convicts us of all different things at different parts of our walks with him. And I truly believe he was really convicting me of this because it was something that has been such a big part of my past and his word the living word the bible reads you it's the only book ever that will read you back and it was something that I was really feeling convicted of and you know I told Jamar I wanted to stop and not have sex until we were married and he respected that although it was really hard for the both of us you know we weren't perfect and we messed up a couple of times and after every single time I wouldn't feel good after and even during sometimes like in the middle of it I would not feel so great about it because 
I knew what I was going to feel like afterwards. It just really wasn't worth it. We decided to bring this up to some elders at our church because we realized, look, this is something, you know, we're living together and this is something that's really hard for us. And we met them in this Let's Talk room that they have at our church and they recommended us to speak with the youth pastor as he does pre-engagement and premarital counseling when we had no even interest in getting married or engaged at the time at all. Side note, I do want to say I highly, highly, highly recommend premarital counseling for every single couple, no matter who you are or what your relationship is like. Like it truly laid an amazing foundation for Jamar and I, and I honestly don't know where our relationship would be without it. We probably wouldn't be married if it wasn't for us to go through that because a lot of the times, and I'll talk about this at a later date, but it's something I'm really passionate about because it completely changed, you know, our relationship. Having a third party person in there, in the conversation, in the middle of you two will not only help you hold a mirror up to yourself to see like, okay, these are parts of me that I need to work on. Um, they're going to ask the hard questions that you probably haven't talked about yet. Even if you think that you've talked about everything, I bet you, you haven't. And it just really laid out just a great, not perfect, but a great foundation for us to move forward as a couple. So during that counseling, we discussed many different topics and one of them being sex. And long story short, we abstained from sex, ended up getting married and on our wedding day, experienced it for the first time in the covenants of a marriage. And I really couldn't believe how much just quote unquote, okay, air quotes, just getting a piece of paper that is how I thought of marriage before could change how I felt after sex. So I just want to put a huge and red letters. Marriage isn't about just getting a piece of paper. It's about a uniting of two people together becoming one. And I felt that through our uniting of sex. It is a powerful emotional bonding experience designed to strengthen a marriage. Now, premarital sex is so common in our culture today. I mean, it's everywhere. It's in mass media. It's on pretty much every single TV show that you'll watch. The picture of sexual intimacy that our culture paints is a cheap counterfeit and a perversion of God's original design for sex. It's like a hammer for a builder that has been designed for good, but can be used for harm if put in the wrong hands. Sex has been twisted and torn from its original purposes with devastating consequences. And it's so common today that some people are considered weird if they keep their purity until marriage. I can sit here and look you in the eyes. Well, if I could see you, I would be looking right into your eyes and tell you in full confidence and knowledge that sex within marriage is entirely different and so much better than sex outside of marriage. And there's a simple explanation for it. It's the way God created sex to be. And our Heavenly Father is perfect. Why does God care who you sleep with? Because he wants us to experience it at its best. God's restrictions on sex are not designed to rob you of pleasure. I used to think that there are so many restrictions to being a Christian, to being a Jesus girl, to being, you know, one of those church people, okay? I thought it would rob me from my freedom. And in reality, it was stripping me of my freedom, not following God's plan for me. And sex is designed to enable you to experience the greatest version of that pleasure, intimacy, and, and unity and give you those guardrails to protect you from damage yourself. 
So if you're somebody listening and maybe you have had multiple sexual partners and you want to cleanse yourself from your past and maybe you want to refine your purity journey, some things he suggested us to do is to one, block the sexual partners from our past, from all social media's numbers, so there's no way they can ever come back into our minds. And second, to get rid of anything and everything that they gave you or that holds a memory of of that person. Maybe you're like, but Danielle, it's so hard. I want to embrace sex in the way God designed it, but it's just hard. I want to talk to those people for a second. It'll never not be hard. Remember when I said typically it's a hard thing that ends up paying off in the end? This is one of those things. I would say the first thing for you to do is to go to the Lord in prayer about this. Don't go to him in shame. Shame is from the enemy. But go to him humbly with a repentant heart and share with him this struggle. Share with him that you need help and want to change in this area. He will help you. He knows you won't be perfect. And trust me, you're going to need him to help you here. The second thing I would say for you to do is to go to your partner and share with him or her how you feel. And be so real and transparent here. They should respect what God is placing on your heart to do and change. And well, if they don't, then you might need to reassess the relationship. But let me not get off topic here. Share with them that you realize it's a change and you know it'll be hard for you both, but you need to be on the same page with it. You both need each other's help. While Jamar and I were in premarital counseling, I had told him that if at the end of the seven weeks, he didn't know if he wanted to marry me, then I was going to move out. I had to make that decision because why would I continue living exposed every single day in temptation? My walk in relationship with the Lord was more important than my relationship with Jamar. I trust that you'll make the best decision for you in whatever situation you find yourself in right now. But some things that helped us, I for one, I am super disciplined when I have a target or a goal in front of me. My goal here was to follow God's word and be obedient. I was dedicated to that. So first I would say you must make that decision that following Jesus is your number one priority. He doesn't put up guardrails in your life to restrict you of having fun, but he does it because it's what's best for you. So think back to what is the situation before sex between you and your partner happens? What is going on there? Is it an intense makeout session or walking around naked or whatever it is? Set up those set of rules in your household if you're unable to live separately. Our counselor told us to sleep in separate rooms if we needed to. Maybe it's that or not cuddling at night and pray. Pray for God to help and guide you. Pray in those moments of weakness when you feel tempted. There's only so much human willpower is able to stand. We are weak without God in facing temptation. And think about the 40 days and the 40 nights Jesus spent in the wilderness facing temptation from Satan. Satan was promising him this power that he was going to give him. He knew that Jesus knew scripture. So he took scripture and tried to manipulate it and to use it against him. And Jesus answered by praying. He answered and he said, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. That's Luke chapter 4 if you want to freshen up on that story. But Jesus gives us an example of what it's like to be tempted. He went through this temptation. And he gives us an example of what we can do when we're facing temptation. We go to the Lord in prayer. We go to his word. We remember the promises that God has for us. I want you to know that if you are currently having sex outside of marriage, I am not here to judge you. 
trust me. I'm in no place to do so or to tell you how to live. I'm simply here sharing this as my personal experience with sex in and outside of marriage. Sex isn't just sex. And I encourage you, if you're somebody who finds yourself sleeping around, to ask yourself why and not just give the answer because I enjoy it. It's that simple. No, go deeper. That was what I would have said if you asked me years ago, but internally I was screaming for help. I was desiring attention. I was desiring to feel loved, accepted, in power, sexy, in control. I was scared of looking internally and facing the fact that I had feelings of abandonment. I had unforgiveness in my heart from being hurt in my relationship. I didn't feel good enough. And let me be real with you. Satan loves to strip people's purity away from them. He loves to twist God's words and make you feel like they're restricting and that you can gain freedom in doing the opposite. He is so loving. And this is something that he's doing so greatly and he's been very successful at, not just in my life, but with culture and society today. Satan is the one that's stripping you from the freedom God promises you for following him. He wants to destroy you and sex is one way he does it. He makes you believe that there's full freedom in it, but it's a big fat lie. You get the opposite. You're broken from it. You become a slave to it. You rob yourself of the beautiful, uniting experience God created it to be. And look, if you have no desire to change in this area, that's completely fine. Listen, I'm not here to change you. If you have a desire to change in this area, but you're struggling, trust me when I say that God loves you. He's waiting for you to talk to him about this area of your life. So again, God has our best in mind when he commands us not to engage in sex before marriage. He wants us to experience the absolute best rather than a poor counterfeit. And I want to share three purposes that I learned while reading our premarital counseling book. So purpose number one of why sex was created was for procreation. It says sex is intended for the creation of children. God's command to be fruitful and multiply has not changed or been revoked. And he tells us to be fruitful and multiply in Genesis 1 28. It says God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. A second purpose God has for sex and marriage is for pleasure. Sex is intended for the pleasure and enjoyment of the man and the woman. He tells us in Proverbs 5, 18 through 19, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind in a graceful doe, let her breasts satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. And the third purpose God has for sex and marriage is for protection. Sex is intended to protect a husband and wife from temptation. Failure to sexually satisfy each other in marriage can lead to a spouse looking outside the marriage for fulfillment. So in 1 Corinthians 7, 2 through 5, it tells us, But because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife, and each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time, for that you may devote yourselves 
to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So during our pre-engagement counseling, we talked about sex as an important topic. It was a very important thing for us to talk about while we were in premarital counseling. Our expectations with sex, how we could satisfy each other, what were our goals of having sex. And so it was a really interesting conversation and really diving into the purpose of why God created sex really helped me see a bigger picture of why sex has been created. And look, just like maybe some of you women on here are listening and it's like, what? I don't have authority over my own body. That was one thing that I battled with. Honestly, I really tussled with that idea because it feels like this is my body. I can have control of it, but that is not the case. He not only tells us that when we do get married, we become one. Your body is not your body. Your body is your husband's. And for wives, your husband's bodies is not their own. It belongs to you. And so it's just this beautiful image and picture of unity and uniting of one. And it totally affects the, the sex. It's just something that you just have to put faith in that it is better the way God created it to be. 1 Corinthians 6 19 he tells us don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God you do not belong to yourself and this was something that I really had to submit to and this will be a whole other topic of wives submitting to husbands we'll talk about that me and Jamar will probably talk about that together but this idea that do not defile your body and I really thought about that okay I can feel the feelings and the effects of what sex has done to me. I could feel that. I could feel the the negative effects of it. And it's because we do not belong to ourselves. We belong to God. We belong to our creator. And so if you have those feelings, don't be shameful of having those feelings. It's honestly good that you're having those feelings because it just tells you God still chooses you. You're feeling conviction because you belong to God. Because God is pulling on your heart. And so that's a good sign when you feel conviction in certain areas of your life. It means that God is still with you. Don't believe the lie that Satan is whispering in your ear telling you that you should feel shame and that you're too impure to go to God. God is all knowing. He already knows what you're struggling with and he wants to help you. He's your perfect father. If we wait until we change our ways or until we're perfect to go to God, we would never go to him. That's what Satan wants us to believe. We go to God because we are imperfect, because we are weak without him, because we need him to change. We go to him first and then he helps us change. He loves you and I love you. I may not know you, but I love you. And I thank you for tuning in to another episode of Blackouts to Breakthroughs podcast. All right, let's bring it in, giving you a virtual hug because you just finished another episode of Blackouts to Breakthroughs podcast. And you know what? You just deserve it. The reviews and subscriptions mean a lot to me. So if you love today's episode, make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any other episodes. Also, I'd love to hear your takeaways. So feel free to screenshot this episode, put it in your stories and tag me at Blackouts to Breakthroughs on Instagram with your biggest takeaways so I can connect with you and reshare your post. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, friend.